You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, continuing, uh, this, we, we started this series two weeks ago and... Um, we're going to kind of continue through. These are, these are just foundational teachings that should, every, everyone that follows Christ should know these things. Um, unfortunately, that's not the case, but we need to continue to teach them, even to those that have heard them over and over and over again. It does not matter because these things, if not continually taught, if not continually revisited, not continually focused on, they become things that are immediately forgotten. They can be forgotten very, very quickly, and so uh, we can't have that be here, especially when we can recognize the rareness in finding them anywhere else. And so two weeks ago, we, we started with body, soul, and spirit. Now, this is a, a very massive topic to cover, and so we'll be breaking it down for several weeks, and, and we'll have some, some different things to, to break up this, this series as, as we go, as we get to natural stopping points. What I'm hoping to do is be able to play a, uh, an episode of The Chosen, just kind of get to a stopping point. The next Sunday, watch the episode of the new season. The Season uh, two is starting to come out. They've released episode one, and so I'm going to kind of see how they're going to release those and then kind of figure out what the schedule is going to look like. I don't know if it's going to be once a week, once a month. Okay, so they're doing it once a week. Wonderful. Okay. Okay, episode two is out. So, anyways, um, get, getting straight into body, soul, and spirit, we're talking specifically this evening uh, about spirit. We kind of introed into everything, um, but we are going to specifically talk about, you're not supposed to be in here. Strike one for childcare. <laughs> he's elusive, but he's not that good. No, he is that good. For all those listening online, my son, who's supposed to be in childcare, wandered into the sanctuary. So <laughs> he's tricky. Uh, I don't know how many times Sarah had to get him dressed yesterday. I think I think we're up to four different times uh, around noon, and he woke up at eight. It just appears with clothes and then reappears with no clothes. Yeah, so he's a lot of fun. Uh, anyways, so we're getting, we're getting into to spirit this evening. And just, just over, overview, this is body, soul, spirit, what we're seeing up here. Uh, we've got body. These are all things physical. We sense and react. If you'll remember, I had a little ping pong ball and Shorty was sitting here and I threw it to him and he caught it. Okay, he sensed it. He reacted. He had options. He could have caught it. He could have moved out of the way. He could have let it hit him. He had this ability to physically react. And then we have the soul. This is the mind, will, and emotions. This is where we think. This is where we feel. Um, And these two together, body and soul, create the flesh. This is something that we see across the board of anything living uh, besides plants. Plants don't have a soul. They have all things physical. But anything uh, with a mind... Um, animals and ourselves, 
Um, they have this. We have this together. What has separated us from the rest of creation is this aspect right here, the Spirit. And that is what we're diving into this evening. We'll start in Genesis 2, verse 7. I've got quite a bit of Scripture, so if uh, you can't get there, just write it down, because um, we'll hit it kind of quickly. So uh, Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust, from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. So this, this is the Spirit. The Spirit in body, soul, spirit is our connection to God. Okay, it's, it's, we've talked about this before. I've said it on Sunday morning. I said it two weeks ago. It's this ability, as if we are a toaster, it's being plugged into the outlet. The power source. That's what we had in the garden. And they had it to the extent, if you'll... Remember, as we read Genesis, they lived in constant and continuous fellowship with God. He, he didn't just, he wasn't this far off entity. He wasn't this invisible thing. He was this, this person that would walk amongst them in the garden. They regularly encountered him. When they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they hid. And what was God doing? God was walking and he was looking for them. Okay, so they lived in this fellowship, and sin is what broke that, that fellowship. It's what severed that tie. They could no longer live in the presence of God anymore. Okay, so this is, this is spirit, and this is also very, very interesting to think about. You've got to think, um, as, as Satan is cast down uh, from the heavens to earth, and he's kicked out in this then the Lord creates man. And this is what's so odd about this. The Lord creates a very much lesser being. Much, much lesser than, than the angels and the, those things created of the Spirit in the sense of these two things right here, body and soul. But the thing that was just kind of this final kick to Satan, is that he created this lesser being, but this lesser being that had the ability of, the unique ability that no other creation has ever had before, the ability to house the presence of God. He had never created a vessel for his presence. And that was us. And it was through this spirit that he breathed this life into us that we're able to be that. We're able to be this vessel for the presence of God that dwells in us. That happens in the spirit. So what, what leads us to the next thing is then how do we live in the spirit? I, I hated when people would tell me when I was, um, I was new in all of this, it was just such casual conversation for them to just say, just walk in the spirit. I'm a very much, I'm a how person. I'm a type A. I need a list. I need bullet points. I need to know how to do it, and then I'll be good. I can't just have somebody tell me to do something that I've never done before and just you know, get out there and figure it out. But unfortunately, and, and what we hear in the church is that a lot of people walking in the Spirit has just become common terminology, but there's actually no practice behind any of it. Because they themselves don't know what it is to walk in the Spirit. They don't understand it. Because the Bible is still a book of what to do and not a book of identity. If you don't understand that it's a book of identity, you can't understand who the Spirit is, who He is meant to be to you, how He's meant to lead you and guide you through this life. You can't understand it. And you can't understand the connection between the Lord's 
this Holy Spirit, this, this member of the Trinity and our spirit and how it connects us to the Trinity. So how do we walk in the Spirit? So Galatians 5, 16 through 25 says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousies, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So how do we do this? The first step, turn to John 15. Popular passage, common passage that we've talked about several times. This word abide. This word abide. And now this is as the Lord has walked me through this and as he taught me and it says, in, it says here in, in the Scripture that the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. He, he is sent to be your teacher. So when we can't find it in man, we need to be looking to the Holy Spirit. We need to always be looking to the Holy Spirit. We cannot, you cannot come here, listen to me, and not also be listening to the Spirit of God that is supposed to be speaking through me. Because if you're not hearing the Spirit of God in and through me, then we're missing something. Because he is, he is teaching me to teach you. He is speaking through me to speak into you. But it's this Holy Spirit. I turned to him. And when I turned to him, he began to open my eyes to these things. As he has a tendency to do. Being the helper. Being the one that he has a desire to teach us. And, and make known to us the mysteries of God. So, in John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch... In me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I in the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in, I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. Uh-oh. That you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As, for the Father, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as my Father's commandments, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. It's, it starts here. The Lord began to paint this picture for me several years ago, but it starts in this place. And now this is, it's going to be silly. I've got all this board here. I've got three different colored markers and I'm going I'm to draw three things. And it's not going to be very complicated. But it starts, 
it starts here. I'm going to use a different color because it's cooler. So it starts here. We, we, what we begin to see is this cycle of operating in this place, operating in the Spirit. And it starts with this word, abide, to remain in. To remain in. And that, that is not in the sense that we think that I'm, remember, because we talked about it this morning, I am not this, my own entity, this own thing, the same with Major Ian Thomas. He did not set you free. God did not set you free that you could just do whatever the heck you wanted to do. He set you free by the blood of Jesus Christ that God could be God functionally in you. That he, he could be in charge of every decision of every day, of every, every breath that you take, that it would be His to breathe and His to do with what He pleases. Right? We talk about that in salvation. So to abide in, to remain in, it's not like I'm this branch. This is how I've always thought about it. I'm this branch and I'm sticking myself into the vine. Now, if anybody's ever tried to grow anything in here outside, that's not how you do it. Right? I can't take an apple tree, grab a, a piece of a branch from an orange tree and just drill a hole and shoot it on in there and expect that branch to bear any fruit. That's not how it works. All of these things that we're reading about, this is the Father. This is, or this is Christ. And we are, it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. We are to abide in this. That's what we are to remain in. What we were freed from, what we were made for is that we would be vessels. And that's what we're meant to abide in and to remain in. And we'll see that more in just a second. So, to remain in. Um, remaining in what? Remaining in the will of God. And so this is... Another layer to this, if, we've, if you've been here when we've talked about the will of God, we've used this, Randy started it, and I've continued with it because it was one of the most profound examples I've ever heard, but the will of God as, as a backyard. And it's so easy for me to relate to because I have boys that play in the backyard. But if the will of God is this backyard, we have freedom to operate in this backyard. We have freedom to do things in this backyard just as my boys do. They can go swing on the swings. They can jump on the trampoline. If I'm back there working, they can join me or they cannot join me. And I can ask them to join me or I could not ask them to join me. There are times when I'm doing something where I'm carrying stuff. It just happened a couple days ago. Carrying shovels back in the backyard, stacking them up. What do those boys do? They stop what they're doing. They run over. They grab a shovel. They start carrying it. Right? That's, that's what we get to do in, in the will of God. We get to exist freely in that will of God with Him. But we get to exist in that place. That is the will of God. It's this broad thing. It's not this very, very skinny, narrow path. If you, if you just barely step out of it, you're going to burn. That's not what the will of God for your life is. There is freedom to do the will of God. God did not say, go buy a dog and name him Teddy. But I did it. And I've got a dog at home named Teddy. Was I still in the will of God? I have freedom. He did not say, buy a Ford Explorer, but we bought one. Now, he could come in and tell it, hey, don't be stupid with your money because this is a really, really bad decision. And I could say, no, I'm going to do it anyways. And at that point, I could leave the backyard. I could be outside of the will, but we have freedom to exist in this. But he's talking about remaining in the will of God, to remain in the will of God. How, how can you uh, stay there? I've, I've had this conversation with several people. If you want to 
keep yourself in check with the will of God to make sure that you are remaining there. I, I have found myself continually making sure that I'm in this place. And you know it when you know it. You can feel it and you, can, you get used to what it is to exist in it. But at moments, I will ask these three questions. And at any point of difficulty, these questions will come up. But also in any moment where I'm just not sure what I'm seeing, not sure what's going on, I'll ask these three questions of God. And they keep me grounded in His will. The first one is, what are you teaching What are you desiring to teach me about me right now? What are you needing me to see about myself? The second one be, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to say to me about you, about who you are? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to reveal to me? And then the third one, very, very simple. Am I in your will? Now, if you believe God is who he says he is, if you believe that the presence of God, this Holy Spirit that knows the heart of God dwells in you, then you can't ignore the fact that He will speak to you. Oftentimes, we don't ask questions. Or we don't give Him the opportunity to answer. We ask a question, then we immediately start to fill in the answers. People people do that when they get nervous. They ask a question, and then they continue to talk. They won't ever give you a chance to just answer the question. Right? We do the same thing to God. So, when we abide... I love this verse... Uh, this is probably one of my favorite verses um, in, in, of all time. Um, in chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me in my words, my spoken words, that's Rhema there, that's the spoken words, the things that he's speaking to us, not just now, but continually. If they remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. His desires becoming our desires. And so the beautiful thing about abiding, and do you think that what I've I've seen this as, as just kind of a common thought in Christianity and in the church. I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but we just kind of, we read this and we don't really understand it because we kind of immediately go to this place that God's a genie in a bottle. And whatever I want, he'll give it to me. But the thing is, the desires that you're praying for, the desires you're desiring to see, the fruit that you're desiring to see, those were His desires first. And when you remain in, there are no your desires. There are His desires in you. And it's this beautiful design of prayer as well. This is the beautiful design of God. He wants His children to ask for these desires that He's placed in them. Graham Cook said this, I've quoted this several times. He said this, heaven is not a storage facility and it is full of the things that you will not ask for. You're in the will of God and there are desires uh, desires of your heart that have been placed there by God because you're in His will, but we will not ask God for them. But it says right there in verse 7 and 8 that if you ask, they will be given. Because by this, by this asking, you will bear much fruit and so prove to be His. But only when we abide in, when we remain in, do the desires of God's heart become our desires that we could then pray for those to be seen. 2 Corinthians 5. Oh goodness, where is it? Second Corinthians 5. 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, 
The new has come. So as, as we abide in, as we remain in, when the desires of the Father's heart are in our hearts, something is happening. It's no longer these individuals that were of, them, of their own making and, and these people with their own agendas. When the Father's heart becomes reflected in ours, something is happening. And what that, is, what that thing that is happening is that we are being transformed. It's this next thing. We are being transformed. We are these new creations. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. We are being transformed. And all of these things, all of these things require encounter. To to abide in, you cannot abide in God and not encounter God. You cannot be transformed by God and not encounter God. And what happens when we encounter God? We'll look at uh, Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Faith is found at the first encounter that we have with God. This gift of faith. And we've talked about it before. It's this abiding faith. This, this recognition that God is good and He loves me. But that moment where faith was found at this beginning moment of salvation, it was a gift that came from a place of encounter. We use, we have adopted the world's view on faith because they don't understand it and they can't have faith that they don't encounter the one who gives it. So what we've adopted in the church is that faith comes in the moment you need it. And it's, we've kind of, we use this phrase a lot. You're going through something hard and you're hoping for a, a positive outcome. You just got to have faith. Well, I've got a lot of student debt. That would be like somebody coming up to me and just being like, you just got to have more money. Like, yeah, no, no duh. But you saying that to me doesn't create my account to grow. It doesn't, it doesn't cause it to grow. It doesn't create more money that just filled my pockets to pay for student debt. It doesn't do anything. Same with you just got to have faith because if you don't have faith for the moment, it's the same. It's just so easy to connect it to finances. If you don't have faith for the moment, you won't have faith to get you through the moment. Just like if I want to go buy a brand new car, but I don't have the money in the account to buy a new car, I ain't buying a new car. Faith comes from encounter. Every time we have an encounter, it's a deposit of faith. And faith increases. So you will, you will come to these moments no matter what. And you'll either have adequate faith for the moment or you won't. And so what we see growing in this place, as we abide and are transformed, faith grows. It's impossible for these two to exist without encounter. And as we continually have encounter, as we continually remain in and are transformed, then faith increases in us. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's again, that's rhema. That's the spoken word. And it says through hearing. That's a present tense. That's happening in the now. In your current 
place where you find yourself now, faith comes from you hearing and encountering God. You are hearing me right now and you are encountering me right now. It's the hearing of God, this, ha- this continual and active relationship with Him that causes faith to grow. The hearing in the now. So we are first given faith in the first moment of encounter and encounter is all that can produce it. It can only increase from, in- from these places of encounter. So, if I'd say I'd like to do something, how can you trust me to do it if you don't know me? Right? If I, if I say I'm going to do something, my sister knows me well. But if I say I'm going to, I don't know, go running, she won't believe me. Because she knows me well. And I don't go running. But if I say... I'm going to go look at new trucks. She'll probably believe me. Or if I say I I found a new horse, she'll probably believe me. Because she's had encounter with me. She knows me. She knows me. And in this place of encounter, there's faith to do. Or there's... She has faith in me to do what I said I'm going to do because she knows me. She's had encounter with me. She's grown up with me. So now being transformed in our abiding and our encounter with him producing faith, this then sets the stage for obedience. It sets the stage for, for revelation. Revelation happens in this place of encounter. If you've ever had, and again, revelation, we'll talk about it next week. Revelation is like if I... If I took this podium and I covered it with a blanket, I can see very clearly something's there. And say I live my daily life, I can see it's there. I just don't know what's underneath it. And then revelation is the uncovering of it, that I can see clearly what it is. But how can that be? How can He reveal new things to us if we are not abiding in, if we are not being transformed into His image, if we are not being these vessels where His presence can consume us and remain in us, and this faith is ever increasing by encounter, he can't, there can't be revelation if there is no abiding. There can't be revelation if we don't live with Him. These things will continue, continually remain covered if there is no relationship. You want new revelation, you need more relationship. You need to abide in. You need to encounter God. Because in these moments of encounter, there's revelation. And guess what? When you have revelation, you have a moment of encounter. What's also increasing? Faith. It blows my mind continually to go over things that I have read over, I have been taught over for years, all my life, and for the Lord to bring new revelation, fresh revelation to things that I have read a thousand times. But He does it. And faith increases as revelation increases, as encounter increases. And again, this sets the stage for obedience. This is the design in, in, in body, soul, and spirit that we're at right now. This is uh, what, what it is to, again, to operate in the spirit. right? Op- to operate in the will of God, this is, this is what it looks like. Um, this is... it. it it affects, and it affects all of these things. It affects how we think and how we feel and how we sense and how we react. You know, it says to, to be slow to speak, to be slow to anger. Those are here things. 
These are fleshly things. But when we operate here, is God slow to anger? Yes. Was Christ slow to anger? Yes. How often? I love the Chosen series because he was so quick to listen. So quick to listen in that, in that first season. It was one of the more astounding things I saw in this, in this man. I just, I, I, again, I love that series just because you actually get to really, really know Jesus, the Jesus that we read about. It's not this glorified thing. It's just this real person that was Jesus. And it is so, so astounding to see as he will take in and listen. Again, these are, these are things that are also opposite in the world. Right? I was, I was uh, reading about one of those things uh, today if, in, in conversation. As people have conversation and one continually interrupts, one thing that they do is they'll continually interrupt you, but they'll also get louder. And the thing that we tend to do is we tend to match that volume and then try to overtake it to gain power back in a conversation. And what are these things doing? We're just increasing and increasing, being quick to speak, slow to listen, and quick to anger. Because that gets you mad pretty quick. That's the opposite in the kingdom. It's not the way that we're meant to live. But this is, this is again, this is where, where we're meant to operate in. And this is what it is to look like this. As the Lord has shown me, there's more to be revealed in this. But to abide and to be transformed in this faith just naturally grows. Gives us this ability to see and hear what the Lord is doing and be a part of what He's doing. It gives us this ability to remain in the backyard, but not just remain in the backyard, but to see what He's doing and be a part of it. To hear what He's doing. Because there are moments in the backyard where I won't ask my, or I won't uh, wait for my sons to come help me. I will tell them, get over here and help me. There will be moments, it's, it's not these moments where it's just, I hope that they pick up their stuff. No, go pick up your stuff. But there are also times where I, again, where I'm going to be working and they're just going to come up and join me or not. It's okay. I haven't asked them to come. They get to, they have this freedom to be a part of it. And so anyways, that's what we, this is our intro into spirit. And then as we uh, dive into further things, uh, we'll, we'll expand on this. There's a lot to talk about as far as body, soul, spirit, yet uh, there's a lot of topics that we need to get through um, covering body, soul, spirit as the Lord has showed it to me over the years. And he's, uh, he's taught me, it's very, very funny because um, Randy has uh, talked about this as well, but the f- person that introduced me to this was Kendall McDonald, who was introduced to this by Randy. It was then just, we would just come full circle and then we would talk about it in Starbucks in Terrell, Texas. Um, but the three of us also have very not different interpretations of it, but there are just these aspects that the Lord has added to it that are, that are different. It's not, and it's not that it's different, it's just another layer. It's just a, a bigger picture. The Lord just continues to reveal uh, what this is, that we would have understanding not only in who we are, but how He's created us to function in, in our daily lives. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.